It's a cinema crew with Village Cinemas. <laughs> Who you calling monster, pal? You look in the mirror recently? The devil is risen. Hellboy is back. No, it's, it's the hair that makes me look heavier, I think. It's kid movie season and Hugh Jackman, Emma Thompson are starring in Missing Link. You were little. I told you, watch it. And what if you were a kid again? That's little. Hello, my name is Kyron Wheatley and I've seen heaps of movies, but none of those. Luckily, Vari McIntyre and Michael Campbell Hello. both have. Now, we have this Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass giveaway a little later on, but first... On an island off the coast of Scotland, something was summoned from the depths of hell. Something that would end mankind. And this uh, thing you worried about, did it show up? Oh, yes. You did. Hellboy is a comic book star that has already had a couple of movies made, so the filmmaker thought if we can get this trending on Twitter, maybe they'll let us make a third. (laughs) And it looks like it worked. So this is a hard reboot of Hellboy. It's not a sequel. It's not the third one. They've just, nah, we'll just start again, try it again, but... Be more faithful to the original vibe of the comics. So if you don't know Hellboy, he's this demon from hell and he has to go up against this 5th century witch called the Blood Queen and she's trying to release demons and monsters back into the world and take over. Did they write a comic book movie especially for you, Vari? Because <laughs> it feels like this one's got all the mythology yeah, yeah, and stuff the that you love. And everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would have done it differently because you know what? I am sick of movies which portray women as quote-unquote witches but are evil. Like, witches in reality were just women who used used herbs and fought the patriarchy. (laughs) And they're always portrayed, like in this film, as like actual magic people who have to be killed by the white guy or the red guy (laughs) guy. in this case. (laughs) Look, I'm going to be completely honest with this movie. I didn't love it. (laughs) It's not great. (laughs) I I will say this. It is... It was made because Twitter wanted it to be made. I am aware that it is more faithful to the comics. And Mm. I'm a comic guy, but I never read Hellboy. And even the original movies by Guillermo del Toro, who's an Academy Award-winning director. I never loved them. But after watching this movie, I was aware that he definitely has a real grasp and love of Hellboy because this one is really uneven. Well, this one had help from the original creator of Hellboy, Mike McNola, and they took references from three different comics about Hellboy called The Wild Hunt, The Storm and the Fury, and Darkness Calls. And for that reason, I think... Whereas some movies who take elements from a lot of different books, like Alita did, did it well. But in Hellboy, they try to fit too much in. Is it one of those remakes where it's like, oh, we have to explain everything again? I think it's just more to put action in it. Like, even though it's very unnecessary, there's a really cool scene where he's fighting three giants, which are absolutely grotesque. And they're Mm. like 20 feet tall and they've got like bits of metal and claws for arms and they're just tortured looking things. And it's really gruesome and gross. Yeah, this is a movie specifically made for like, teenage boys it's very violent so even if you've got like 11 12 year old kids could probably watch the original hellboys this is a lot more grotesque and a little bit gross (laughs) than Mm. than those films but in that way it's almost every 
comic book cliche you can think of. It's kind of thrown in there for good measure. It's almost like throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And some of it does and some of it doesn't. And it reminds me of, if we're talking comic book films, the, the, the third X-Men is generally seen as not a great film, but it does have individual scenes that are quite good and they're quite memorable, lifting of the bridge and stuff like that. Hellboy is very much the same. There are scenes in it that you're like, that's cool, the giant fight, that's kind of cool. But it does not flow in a narrative at all. Do you recall the Osiris Club? You're like us, they fight against the forces of darkness and our organizations have a long-standing relationship. They're old friends of mine and they've requested your assistance with a giant problem. Yeah? What's that? Giants. Who's in this? We've got David Harbour as Hellboy and he's the sheriff from Stranger Things. He makes a great Hellboy. He does, I think he does a really good job. We've also got Ian McShane who... Ian McShane plays kind of like his adopted father, you know, because he's from hell but now he's living on Earth and Ian McShane takes care of him. I will say this about Ian McShane. He's very aware of what kind of a movie he's in. I'll get to some actors in a minute that are maybe taking it very seriously and very, very stoic and whatnot. Ian McShane looks like he's having a great old time talking to the devil, you know? So there's two there's two other characters in it. We should say this is set in it's London. <laughs> this, this is set <laughs> in London, right? Right. And do you know how I could tell that the other two actors weren't actually English? Bad accents. They're terrible accents. <laughs> as soon as they talked, I was like, not English. Definitely not English. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's a definitely a film I would say, you can tell it's written by an American that has never been to England <laughs> because the secret headquarters that they operate out of is a fish and chip store called Codswallop. <laughs> like, that's what I mean. Everything is the easiest, most basic version of whatever yeah. it is. Definitely for teenagers, this movie. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah. They won't be able to pick the accent. They haven't, heard, they haven't heard it all that much. So it seems like this is a pretty disconnected film. Let's go through one by one all the different parts of this movie that seem so disconnected. This movie has so many flashbacks. It's got flashbacks within flashbacks. So... The first flashback you see is of Hellboy's birth or coming into the earth. Yeah. And then it also shows you meet a character in which Hellboy has rescued when she was a little girl. And they show a flashback of that happening as well. Later on, they show a flashback of Hellboy joining the organization. And then there's even a fourth flashback of a secondary character and how he came to get his powers and if you add four flashbacks into a narrative of a film, it keeps stopping and starting in that way that stops it flowing. Just have one big flashback at the beginning and set it up. Some dads get their kids Legos. How have we got to be saving the world or something? Does it do anything special? Yeah. It smashes things real good. It's one of those movies as well that has like these weird contradictions because there's a lot of makeup and prosthetics in this oh, movie. Oh, they're so good. They're really, really good. Hellboy looks great. There's a pig-headed warrior that's done really practically that looks good. Baba However, Yaga. Baba Yaga, the, the, another, another witch, one of your favourites. Yep. They all look great. However, the CGI doesn't look great. And you can get such a great-looking prosthetic and then they sometimes CGI over it. I didn't notice that. The CGI is so PlayStation cutscene-y, but right. the prosthetic and makeup is really 
really good. Who should see this film? Look, like I said, I think this is specifically for one target audience, which it'll hit with big time, which is teenage boys. Were I 16, I probably would have loved this movie a lot more. Like I used to love Punisher Warzone because it's just grotesque and violent. As a movie, it doesn't quite stick the landing though. The difference with this from the Guillermo del Toro version is that it's more horror than superhero vibe. So if you enjoy the more gruesome aspects of that with lots of action, that's what you're going to go for. I offer you a glimpse of a legendary creature, lost in time. Neither ape nor man, but a giant. He's had many names. Actually, I go by Susan. Susan. Yeah, Susan. That is a girl's name. Yes, that's correct. It suits you. Kids' films are in vogue at the moment because the kids have been let out of their prisons or schools or whatever they're called. They're allowed to wander freely from cinema to cinema, catching flicks like Missing Link. But adults might like to go along to this one as well because in the vocal booth we have Hugh Jackman, Emma Thompson, the list goes on. The reason that I was so excited for this film is a really geeky reason, but it's by a studio called Leica Animation. And Leica Animation do stop-motion animated movies that are just beautiful. They made uh, Coraline. They made Kubo and the Two Strings. They make these, like... Gorgeous, nuanced kids' films that are done in stop motion, and Missing Link is their latest one. It's about the Sasquatch, who Hugh Jackman is a kind of a uh, a big game hunter. He's debunking these myths. He's finding these creatures, and he gets invited to go to America to find the Sasquatch. And once he does find the Sasquatch, he actually realizes that Sasquatch needs his help to get to his people. It kind of flips that idea of Bigfoot on its head. We have had the movie. Smallfoot, yeah. <laughs> which is about yetis. Which flipped on his head in a different way. Yes. This one does it on, I don't know, the side where <laughs> a human interacts with the Bigfoot yeti Sasquatch. Voiced by Zach Galifianakis. Who is hilarious. He's so cute. Yeah. He's just living in a cave and feels really lonely because everyone screams and runs away when he gets <laughs> noticed. And he wants to find his family, so they have to go to the hidden city of Shangri-La. And Zoe Saldana voices another character and the three of them go on this little adventure and nobody in the world seems to be scared or notice that there is a giant orangutan-looking <laughs> thing in a too-small suit with his fur and big feet hanging about and they're just like, oh, we'll just call you Mr Link or as he prefers to be called, Susan. <laughs> Yeah, so this does kind of turn <laughs> into really a. Funny. <laughs> yeah. And I love that because he's like, I want to be called Susan. And, and Hugh Jackman's character says, That's a girl's name. He's like, Yep. I love it. That's all the discussion yep. there is. I love it. Right. It does kind of turn into like a road trip movie in that way. Yeah. Where it's like the odd couple on a road trip trying to get back to the. And Mr. Link, as he's known in this movie, is just such a instantly likable character. He's so softly spoken. He's so kind of naive to the world. And he plays this really great counterpoint to Hugh Jackman, who is kind of a little bit full of himself. He thinks himself as this big macho adventurer. He's a little bit like Sherlock Holmes at times and he's a little bit like action hero at times, but not really. Like That's just how he thinks of himself. And their interplay is really, really great. Yeah, see... Hugh Jackman voices the character, Sir Lionel Frost, and as his name suggests, he's quite cold and self-centred. And in becoming friends with Susan, he softens up a little bit because at the beginning of the film, all he wants to do is be accepted by this old white guy club back in London. And that is in the Victorian era where they were travelling the world and exploring new things and trying to... I don't know, do those big game hunts and their big old crusty mansion is just full of rhino heads on the wall and things. And you're like, well, why would you want to be a part of that? And then he comes to learn that 
the Bigfoot that he's trying to find is actually more human than perhaps those people are. And if you're talking about spot on casting of like a British aristocrat of that era, the most perfect casting you could ever think of is Stephen Fry. Mm. And he is the voice of the aristocrat that's trying to keep him out of the club. Every person that they've cast is like the best person you can think of because Hugh Jackman is that kind of, he's a bit pompous adventurer. Like you can imagine him as yeah. an old movie star in that way. Zach Galifianakis does seem like- a member of one of those clubs for many years. <laughs> yeah. Zach Galifianakis does seem like kind of a soft, cuddly, nice man. And yep. it, all the voice cast is so spot on. <laughs> it's still there. <laughs> Excuse me. Hi. You can speak. Yes, and um, I write as well. My penmanship isn't great, but, uh, you know, opposable thumbs and fat fingers, you know. I want to talk a little bit about just stop motion in general. Me too. So there's two main stop motion studios, I guess. Uh, there's Ardman, Ardman, who make Wallace and Gromit and... And the Maya Christmas ads. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, and they are very much like the very family-friendly and Leica make slightly more mature things. So Kubo and the Two Strings was a very emotional, sad movie. It was quite beautiful. And Coraline is a little bit scary, but again, it's quite beautiful. So this is Laika. However, it is the most Ardman thing they've ever made, if that makes sense. It is a lot more colourful. It's a lot more family-friendly. It feels like the, the perfect blend between the two. Look, I wasn't too interested in the storyline. Like, it was cute and I followed along. But what I really appreciated was the effort that they have gone into in creating these characters and sets. Every single thing that you see on screen has been handmade by someone. Well, in fact, yeah. what like it do that I think is one of those like really clever things that it's kind of weird that no one had thought of before. Uh, we talked about Ardman, that's all plasticine, and they molded it by hand. Leica, they 3D print all of their puppets. Mm -hmm. So everything is designed in a computer and printed, but that means they can print 100,000 faces, and they just swap the faces on and off every time. What a brilliant way to do stop-motion animation. You're not going in there, and you're not molding plasticine every frame. They just swap faces out here and there, and they they 3D print the sets, and then they, they hide seam lines with... CG animation, which is the perfect way to use CG animation. So I think for that 3D is the skeleton of the puppet and then over the top they put a silicon urethane, which for nerds know that it's very <laughs> stretchy and it's not going to tear and you can move that in all sorts of ways and it has a skin texture to it as well. I didn't notice it until there's this one scene where there's a hunter after them and he's trying to kill Susan and he <laughs> is quite bold. He's got a huge head and he's got this scar like he's been scratched by an animal over his head and in one scene you get a close-up of his face and he smooths his hand over his head and it kind of moves a little bit like skin would and I was like a little grossed out because I was like oh it's so realistic <laughs> it's, it's and I was close. like that must be silicon because it has that movement to it and that's yeah. what made it so realistic. You're right because the story is quite baseline the beats play out exactly how you might expect them play out but it's just the craftsmanship mm. behind everything that they do is actually beautiful. There's so many shots that I'm like I don't know how you would ever animate that in stop motion, yet they've found a way. And they shot it on a Canon 5D camera. Oh, I've got one of those. Yeah. yeah. So you're saying I can make a movie like this? Yes. Is that what you're saying? Just buy myself a 3D printer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have the time. silicon. Yeah, some time, yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what's so great about these. Everything is kind of consumer grade that they're doing. They just do it better than anyone else. So who should see this film? If you enjoyed Leica's other films, as we mentioned, Coraline and Kubo and the Two Strings, they also did Paranorman and Box Trolls. But this is kind of an Indiana Jones type of adventure story. Yeah, and I think we, we talk a lot about whether kids' films are for both. This one is more 
kids skewed, but I think adults are just going to be floored by how beautiful it actually looks. Also in cinemas, Shazam. The latest. Oh, D- I've just turned into a superhero. <laughs> the latest DC action comic book movie. Pet Cemetery. Scary Stephen King novel adaption. Hopefully scarier than the original. And Wonder Park. A kids movie with a fantastic voice cast. You can hear about all those by clicking on the previous episode in whatever podcast app that you're in right now. Think you're the boss of me? Say one more thing. I dare you. You're too fat. For that skirt. Okay, see, I've been looking at you like a little girl, but you a grown-ass woman. We have a BMW situation. Black mama whooping. I told you not to test me! Yes! Start spanking your kids! Mommy or my mama. I love movies like Little. I love the idea of writers sitting around and thinking... What if a girl and her mum switched bodies? What if a man could hear the inner thoughts of women? What if when life gets too much, you rewind and become your younger self? It's a big what-if movie. This is by a producer called Will Packer, and I think what he does is he thinks, what is a successful movie from the 80s? And how can I just redo it? What if we remade a movie from the 80s? Yeah, because this is, it's just the opposite of big, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Even in its title, it's just the opposite of big, the, the iconic 80s Tom Hanks movie, like what women want and what men want, which was a Will Packer movie. And this one is kind of like Jennifer Garner's Suddenly 30. So it's about a rich, powerful, but she's pretty overly aggressive businesswoman and she's transformed to her younger self, which is great for her overworked assistant who now becomes her boss. These movies that have been coming out lately almost live in their own cinematic universe, don't they? It's a lot of gender swaps in movies like that and they're kind of reverse premises of well-known movies. This one has Regina Hall. And Regina Hall falls into a category for me, and Will Farrell falls into this category for me as well. I find them genuinely hilarious, but something about their movies don't land for me, and I don't know what it is. Because I think that she is so talented, I think she's so funny, but like the scary movies and, and stuff like that, I've just never really found that style of humor that funny. And I'm hoping that this one sways me further in the direction of actually liking her movies and not just liking her. No one's seen this one yet, right? It hasn't screened yet, but from the trailer... I did get a couple of genuine laughs. Oh, yeah. I actually watched it and was like, yeah, I'm going to go see this one. Some of them, if it doesn't screen and I don't see it from the trailer, I don't, maybe I won't see this one. But this one, I'm like, no, I genuinely go see this. And we're talking about the influences that this movie has and the girl that plays Regina Hall's younger self, who... I'd assume is more in it than Regina Hall herself, is a girl called Marseille Martin. And she's known probably more in America for a TV show called Blackish. She is an executive producer on this as well. She pitched the idea and she has her own production company. She's 14. Yeah, where technically her parents are her employees. And it's just amazing how much this girl has achieved in her life. And she said it was very important to her to have a mostly black cast and black crew in this as well. That aspect I really love of it. It's like young entrepreneurial spirit. She had an idea, she made it happen, and she stuck to like what she wanted and she didn't quite budge on that. I think that's really admirable. The thing I just hope is this movie has like a second layer. Because going well, big, we all know you hate children. That's, that's true. <laughs> going big to small is is funny enough, right? That that's a funny premise, but that does not a whole movie make. Mm-hmm. You need a, a second layer, and I, I would assume that there's quite a successful team that are behind these at this point. Surely there needs to be that second layer, but I haven't seen it in the trailers yet. I don't think you need much. In these sorts of movies, I just want to go and watch a movie and laugh and have fun. There doesn't need to be a second Mm. layer in it for me. I was looking for a film the other day and I was like, we were just hoping for something where we could just sort of turn our minds off and we couldn't find anything at the centre of that moment. And this sounds like that's exactly 
Like if that if this had been out, this would have been what we'd gone to see. But see, for me, the second layer, it's that thing that you shouldn't really notice it, but if it isn't there, it's present. So like, let's say Big. Big is essentially what this is kind of remaking in reverse. And why Big is, yeah, he was small, but now he's big. That is actually about maturing and growing up. That's actually what it's about. And Little, presumably is going to have similar themes to that, but so far... It just needs to have something. Otherwise, like, what do you, what do you, what's driving the movie? Otherwise, like Hellboy, it's a collection of scenes. And it still could, to be fair. Yeah. Often they don't put that second layer in a trailer. They leave that for the payoff at the end. So who should see this film? It kind of looks ridiculous. So that makes it look fun. So <laughs> ridiculous people. If you just, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those ones I think you just, like, grab a group of friends and dig into some popcorn and just watch and have fun and laugh. Yeah, and in fact, if, if you were to go into IMDb and look at Will Packer's thing, uh, he did uh, Girls Trip, he did uh, Night School. If, you, if you're liking those kind of uh, almost a new genre of comedy that they've created with all the same actors, if you're liking all those movies, then this is the next installment. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass, go to Facebook or Instagram and leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question. We've got Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis in Missing Link, so what other actor would you love to see in one of these animated films? Leave the hashtag to Cinema Crew and you could win. Next week, The Curse of the Weeping Woman is another horror flick. Seems like there's more and more of those these days. And Aftermath sees Kira Knightley in costume again and a look into the years following World War II in Germany. Anyway, that's next week. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Whitley, and we'll see you at the very least you'll hear us next week on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas.